Hi, everyone. Welcome to Science Buffs, the ultimate podcast for STEM enthusiasts. I'm Sam. And I'm Abby. I almost said I'm Abby because <laughs> I'm used to you doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm Sam. Nailed it. <laughs> so what did you do this week, Abs? What's new? Oh, well, I was reviewing my pictures because that's the only way I remember what I did. But um, my <laughs> son w- met Santa this weekend for the first time. Wait. Why have I not received Santa. images? I posted them on Instagram. I actually you didn't see. Did I like them. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I'll send them to you. Um, okay. But we went to this like Christmas bazaar. It's called like a uh, craft show sort of thing, and Santa was there. And so, like Santa came up and was like, "Hey, do you want a picture?" <laughs> like one of his elves came up. Hey, do you want a picture with? your baby and I was like uh, sure Aww. anyway he was fine like he did this like very gummy smile <laughs> he's at this age where I think he's kind of starting to teeth so he starts going like this <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and he was just smiling with his beanie on Santa's lap and it's just so cute <laughs> so that is we did adorable. that and then on Saturday night I went up and I drove like an hour to the church that I go to and got baptized, which is really awesome. But then the way home, yeah, Will was just screaming his head off. Like he was not no. excited because now, you know, it gets dark at like 5 p.m. and he hates yeah. car rides in the dark. I think because he's like in the backseat and there's no one there. So he was just crying. <laughs> Like at the top of his lungs, I was like, oh, "It's okay." And then he fell asleep, and he would like wake up and cry. And oh, I he's like, like, "I'm home." He's like, "I'm alone." Terrible. Yeah, so I was like, "It's okay." Poor like baby. I was trying to like rub his head while I was driving, and <laughs> still be safe on the mm. road. I was like, it's okay. So poor baby. Yeah, the joys. Um, but yeah, he it was okay. Like he fell asleep for most of the time. And then we got home and, and snuggled and I put him to bed. So that was my exciting weekend. That's pretty much all I did. And then Sunday I just hung out. Just chill. Yeah. Did you watch What'd more you Christmas do? movies? Oh yeah. We watched um what did we watch? We watched this one with Brooke Shields going to a castle. Oh, a castle. Yes. It's called I can't remember what it's called. My mom likes that one because my mom is a big Brooke Shields stan. Yeah, she. it's actually, it's pretty good. Like, she falls in love with, like, the owner slash groundskeeper. Yeah. So we'll have to, I'll, I'll put in stories when I know the <laughs> title. Yes. I have no idea what it's called, but. Oh, A Castle for Christmas, I think. Yes, yes. You're yes. Correct. Yeah, it was good to have in yeah, the background. Yeah, like that one. So that's what we did. What'd you do? Yeah. Um... Well, I'm still sick, which is like mm. the longest cold I've ever had in my life, I think. Okay, I realized, side note, that last week we recorded an intro and said that you were sick, and then we restarted, and then we didn't mention that you were sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you probably picked up on the couple of sniffles I heard in there. It was not great. I tried to mute so, myself, but... <laughs> yeah, you yeah. did a good job. I didn't, I didn't notice too many, but that's yeah. unfortunate that you've been sick for a full week. Yeah, I don't know. I was on the mend. I felt like I was getting better. And then I woke up with a sore throat and it's been oh. that way for like three days. So I Have don't you know. Had um, had that throat coat tea? No. Oh, it's what pretty is it? good. It's, um, I don't know what it is, but it's literally called throat coat. I think it's like a blend of like chamomile 
and a bunch of different kinds that are supposed to soothe your throat a little bit. I'll have to try that. Or something. I don't know. That sounds really good. Yeah. And yeah, so I'll probably be drinking a lot of water during this podcast. At least you'll get over it before Japan (laughs) because if you were sick in Japan, that would be bad. Yes, I leave for Japan in a couple weeks and I'm super excited. I haven't been out of the country. Well, I went to Mexico last year, but oh yeah. I haven't. When's the last time before that that you've been out of the country? I haven't been out of the country since I was in high school. So like I went to when I was in high school, my parents took me to Europe. Um and where'd you go? I went to like Germany, Italy, Greece, Croatia was my fave. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. And then nothing. All in one trip? (laughs) All in one trip, yes. Yeah, so know. it was really cool. I know I was under drinking age though, so I didn't get to like experience like, <laughs> yeah. the Italian like vino and stuff like that. Uh, that'd be cool. But yeah, yeah, I went to Ireland. When I was like fourteen, I think. So everyone's like, "Did you go to the Guinness factory?" <laughs> like, a little young, <laughs> but yeah, I would love to do that. But yeah, I'm super excited. I'm going for grad school, so um. We just had like our class briefing today. So what class are you going? Like explain the class and why you're going, I guess. They call it. So we talked a little bit on our bonus episode, how I'm studying for my MBA and the, this class is like a requirement. You can take it domestically, but occasionally they offer an international course and it's called a global immersion. And we're going to study Japanese businesses that have been in business for like hundreds of years. And the whole focus of the class is like so many. So the whole focus of the class is customer experience. Um, So, um, but we're going to like a matcha business and I love matcha. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very excited. Um, One interesting thing was, I guess, I'm not a big gamer. Mm-hmm. But I guess a lot of people were requesting for us as a class to like go tour the Nintendo factory. Mm-hmm. But I guess Nintendo is very, very like closed door pr- with their proprietary. I could totally see that. I feel like yeah. I feel like so they're kind they're, of Disney-ish in that. Yeah. So they're they won't let us go to their factory, but they are um sending somebody out to give a talk to us at our hotel. So <laughs> Oh yeah, my gosh, so you're gonna have cool. such sorry, back to the matcha. <laughs> yes. Matcha you're have such good matcha. Well, it's funny. So little backstory about matcha is Abby and I used to make fun of people that drink matcha. We're like, people just want to drink it because it's a fad. And we <laughs> yeah. used to meet up for coffee once a week. And one day we went to like this bougie place and <laughs> Abby was like I think we looked at each other and we're like we'll try the matcha <laughs> and we have both been addicted ever since <laughs> it's, it's yeah I well I used to think it, maybe my taste buds have like matured because I used to think it tasted like dirt or maybe it just yeah. had bad matcha that's you know that's probably it and my taste buds yeah. have matured but now I like the earthy taste I'm like I kind of yeah. like that it tastes like dirt I have heard, though, like, I'm definitely bringing matcha home. I have heard, though, that Japanese matcha is a lot more bitter than matcha you get in America. Okay, so I'm, might have I'm to excited to try. Yeah. I'm excited to try. So, That'll be fun. I'm cool. excited. I'll do a whole, yeah. we can do, like, a whole bonus episode on Japan. Oh, please, please. Yes. Also, did you see Amelia Earhart, Amelia Rose Earhart? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, she reposted she, us and she listens to our pod, which is I amazing. Know. She is an so, amazing human being. I love her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she was so great. I texted Sam today as Amelia Earhart like reposted ours to her story, our story to her story. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was yes. fangirling hardcore. So Hey, yeah. if you're listening, we love yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for the support. We love you. We're fans. Also, can we interview you? Also, please come on our podcast and we will be reviewing your book very soon. Yes. Yes. So cool. Yeah, after Japan. Yeah. Um, cool. Are you All ready right. to get into it? Yes. So I forgot to do my clues until like five minutes before. So, but they might not be the best clues, but we're going to go okay. for it. We'll, Clue we'll number it. one. It has to do with aviation. That's all. Planes. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, yeah. Maybe how the right helicopters work. Oh, that would no. be a cool topic, but it's not it. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Specifically, it has to do with aerodynamics. Oh. Wing. Airfoils. Wind tunnels. Lift. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The last one's a dead giveaway. Chuck Yeager was the first person to break it. The sound barrier. Yes. Whoa, thank God I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the like smoke coming I, out of your I head. panicked for two seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, you okay, got it. Okay, that's so, so cool. Okay, good topic. Yes. So the reason that we're talking about the sound barrier is because I've always had a fascination with the Concorde, which we're going to talk about more later. But the Concorde is um, was like the first commercial airplane to break the sound barrier, um, and I can't wait to deep dive into that okay, and cool. share more. So I'm gonna start because there's a lot of information. Yes, let's do it. So abs, what is the sound barrier? Like, what do you know about it? Okay, when an airplane, let's say, or any body, I guess, is moving fast enough where they're moving at the speed of sound. I there's like a sonic boom basically right yeah that's it we and don't need then, to pot anymore no. yeah that's it <laughs> and it's like where this the air is like catching up to the sound or something I don't know basically yeah, there's a big so, boom when you hit the speed <laughs> and you heard good. it over text when when the um remember you were saying when you decided to do aerospace and you uh heard it over texas yes yes, yes you have a good memory so, yeah. i was about to say give me your one week ago. Back. i'm sending it back to see you <laughs> is that kidding. like way I'm... off the... no where it's no, like it you're wasn't. traveling at the speed of sound no okay no, good okay perfect yeah. <laughs> so like there's it's pretty it's like technical but i thought some of the um background behind it was really interesting as well um, because I'm going to start there and then I'll get into kind of like what it is. Um, and then aircraft that actually can break the sound barrier. So cool. the sound barrier, not that long ago, people thought that the sound barrier was essentially like a physical wall <laughs> that you would run into. Um, so, um, until the first time it was actually broken, it was commonly believed that any aircraft would be destroyed by 
going the speed of sound. So today we know that the sound barrier is actually a sudden increase in aerodynamic drag that happens when the object approaches the speed of sound. And what is the speed of sound known as? How fast, like, what's the name of it? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you can do it. It starts with an M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's four letters. <laughs> Mock. Oh my gosh. Mock one. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mock one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm glad this isn't did... a trivia episode. <laughs> I like quizzing you because it's fun. <laughs> no, and I blank. I panic. I have me? other quiz questions in here, so you better be prepared. Like, if you had asked so, me what Mach 5 was, I'd be like five times the speed of sound. If you asked me, <laughs> like, the opposite, I blank. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I probably would be the same way, honestly, if I hadn't looked it up. But, <laughs> um, okay, so why did people believe that the sound barrier was a physical wall? So during World War II, pilots reported that their aircraft would tear apart um, and their instruments would would start tearing apart and their instruments would start freezing up when they dove during combat, during like dog fighting. Um, And scientists believe that that's probably about the moment that they approached the speed of sound. Um, And so they colloquially (laughs) said that it was basically like hitting a wall. Um, And then in the 1940s, like during World War II, um, the proper design techniques um, and aerodynamics for an airplane that could actually surpass the speed of sound wasn't known. Um, So technically at that time, the aircrafts were not built to like withstand the sudden drag. So like they would have disintegrated essentially. Yeah. So, yes. So aircraft um, back then specifically didn't have... Um, little or no wing sweep. So if you think of like really fast airplanes, like jets and things that we now know can break the speed of sound, you see Mm -hmm. that they have a lot of wing sweep with, which I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it without a visual, but essentially like, um, instead of perpendicular from the airplane, it's like, like your arms are back behind you basically. Right. Okay. Um, and then back then they had, the wings had thick, they were thick, and they had blunt leading engi- edges. So okay. that's like basically the opposite of what you need right. um, for an aircraft that breaks the speed of sound. Um, so the increase from shock waves. Um, so shock waves start to form at the very leading edge of the wing. So like right at the front of the wingtip um, form accelerated flow over the wing. And um, even though the aircraft is not actually yet exceeding the speed of sound, which um, these shock waves cause pressure fields on the wings and can lead to significant flow separation behind the shock waves, aka lots of drag. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's very sudden. Like it happens very quickly. It's not just kind of like you're leading up to it. Like once you appro- are approaching the speed of sound, it happens very quickly. Mm. Um, in, in the 1940s, no aircraft had gone faster than that. Okay. Um, so did drag cause structural failures specifically in World War II aircraft when approaching the speed of sound? The answer is no. Drag itself is not the reason that it would cause a structural failure, um, because drag forces usually don't affect the structure itself. Um, the two other failure modes, which 
Remember failure modes? <laughs> yeah, so fun. <laughs> yeah, there's two other failure modes that cause this when you're approaching the speed of sound. The first one is called flutter. And flutter uh-huh. is an unstable coupling of the aerodynamics of the aircraft um, and the natural vibration modes um, of the aircraft structure. So do you remember in oh, college gosh. when... This is making me have flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. So when we were in college, do you remember where we would have like an airplane model in our structures class and we would vibrate it and then we would like flash a strobe light at it? Do you remember this? And you would have to like, by looking at it and knowing what frequency you're actually vibrating yes. the airplane at, you could determine what the, like the natural frequencies of the aircraft were. Yes. So that just reminded me of this. But yeah, so the natural frequencies of the aircraft and um, the and flutter. Okay, so um, when you said the drag is not directly causing the failure, that like if it was, that would mean basically like a wing is ripping off, right? like structurally the airplane would break apart because of how much drag yeah so the the way that I understand it is that the drag is essentially enabling like the flutter and the natural frequencies but it's not just drag itself like breaking apart the airplane okay yeah Yeah. drag just slows you down but yeah it's all these other things um the second possible cause is change in aircraft stability so um this can happen when you know, drag is a force and you're putting so much drag on the aircraft that it's stressing the aircraft structurally to a point of failure. Okay. So the presence of these shock waves that I was talking about earlier that occur on the leading edge of the wing um, can change how the plane responds to gusts or control inputs, which is like, um, we should do a whole episode on control, airplane controls. Um, so like the different um, elevator and yeah pitch, wait, oh pitch elevator and then rudder no the um what is the last one it's like a- aileron or something <laughs> aileron yes aileron, good job yeah. Woo. yes Woo. yeah and so Teamwork. that can lead to structural <laughs> failure okay. so um due to the sudden and extreme catastrophic nature of these um these failure modes um Pilots usually didn't survive if they got very close um, yeah, that back would be then, so too. Scary. Yeah. So they couldn't really know, learn much about it because okay. the pilots couldn't really sense. tell them like what was occurring when they got close to it. Um, so, abs, what speed do you break the sound barrier at? Oh my God. Mach one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's a trick question. Does it start with a three? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you converted it to, like, some type of random unit, yeah, maybe. What, what unit are you... Um, Let's do miles per hour. I don't know. <laughs> so, the answer Should I know is a this? question. Well, it's a trick question. It depends. So, the speed at which you break the sound barrier depends on the conditions outside ah. um, and your altitude, but... Okay. Um, at sea level, it's about 770 miles per hour. Okay. So that's pretty dang fast. So yeah, like how fast. fast? So this actually had me thinking, how fast does a Formula One car go? Like we talked about last week, 200 miles like an two, hour. 210 is like the tops. Okay. That's crazy. So like, yeah, three and a half times that is the speed of sound. That's wild. That is crazy. Um, Okay. 
So what else do you think, other than an airplane, could break the sound barrier that might have broken the sound barrier prior to airplanes? Prior to airplanes? Yeah. That's going 700 miles an hour? Yes. Um... bullets oh yeah is that why there's like a is that why there's like a big bang you know when they get shot maybe (laughs) maybe (laughs) um yeah that's that's a good question I don't know but I just thought it was interesting because I would have never thought of that but yeah bullets had exceeded the speed of sound long before our friend Chuck Yeager um that totally makes sense okay and for a long time people were just like humans can't do it um, I bet the sound is so, amplified by that if you're shooting. Oh, yeah, you know. I'm sure. It's going I so just, fast. I guess I just assumed it was, like, the mechanical stuff of, like, the gunpowder exploding and stuff, but it's probably also partly breaking the sound barrier. Going really fast, yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, okay, so I mentioned previously that the first person to break the sound barrier was Chuck Yeager. Um yes. And Chuck Yeager was a U.S. Air Force captain, and he officially broke the sound barrier on October 14th, 1947, in the Bell X-1 rocket plane. Mm. Um, He passed Mach 1 following his airplane dropping from a B-29 airplane, um, and he proved that passengers could break the sound barrier without injury. Wow. Um, Yes. Let's see. That would oh, be so <laughs> terrifying if everyone thought that you would die. And you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It. I'm also pretty sure that I've seen his aircraft. I'm pretty sure I, for some reason, didn't look this one up. But I'm pretty sure his aircraft is at the Smithsonian in D.C. So okay, I'm cool. like 90% sure it is there. If you want to see it, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to read a quote about hit from him about um, breaking the sound barrier. So what he said was, quote, leveling off at 42,000 feet, I had 30% of my fuel. So I turned on rocket chamber three and immediately <laughs> reached 0.96 Mach. So a little bit less than the speed of sound. Um, I noticed that the faster I got, the smoother the ride. Suddenly, the Mach needle began to fluctuate. It went up to 0.965 Mach, then tipped right off the scale. We were flying super sonic, and it was as smooth as a baby's bottom. <laughs> Grandma could be sitting up there sipping lemonade. Oh, wow. End quote. <laughs> that would be so cool. Yeah. That out. You know what that reminded me of, though? Um, the last Top Gun movie. <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah. remember when he's going like seven times this speed? I was just about to bring that up because he was like, they were doing the Mach 10 test. And they're yes. like, yay, we got to Mach 10. And then he's like, I'm going to do a little more. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. then he survives, please. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I, no thanks. <laughs> yes. um, so what causes the sonic boom? Um, pressure waves, also known as sound waves, propagate at the speed of sound. And when an aircraft is moving faster than the speed of sound, aka breaking the sound barrier, the pressure waves don't propagate in front of the aircraft, but rather create a wave similar to the wake of a boat that follows along the aircraft. So that's kind of what you were saying 
at the beginning. Yeah, that's what I was trying to so eloquently explain. (laughs) (laughs) And a sonic boom. A sonic boom is the wave passing the observer, basically. Okay. So when you're in the plane, do you hear? I'm assuming you hear the sonic boom. That's a great question. Or yeah, I wonder if it says as noticeable as the pilot because it's behind you but not that far I'm wondering if you don't hear it I'm wondering if you don't hear it but yeah maybe we should we'll put that in the stories we'll look up yeah I'll look that up I didn't think about that yeah um I found this interesting so I think a lot of people have seen pictures of like aircraft breaking through breaking (laughs) <laughs> the sound barrier have yeah. you seen those where it looks like kind of like a dome yeah um so you can't actually capture that on ca- like a regular camera you can't like with oh. your iphone try to capture it at the right image okay so um yeah you can't see a sonic sonic boom with um without very specialized imaging technology um and okay. i found this interesting i kind of like went into a deep dive on that. it's called the shilrian imaging and oh. it um shows kind of like different densities in a fluid so it can show that in air so it shows the like density around the aircraft or the aircraft's wing actually changing at that specific point in time that's cool um yeah so that traditional picture you've seen of of like a jet going really fast Mm -hmm. um and breaking the sound barrier they call that the vapor cone um okay and it's the condensation that appears behind the an aircraft as approaches mach one or they also call it shock collars or shock eggs. I have not heard shock eggs, but I have heard shock collars. Let's adopt that. Shock, shock eggs. eggs. Shock eggs. Shock yeah. eggs. That's cool. Um, I didn't realize you couldn't see those. Yeah. Like I, I, I thought that those were just regular camera pictures this whole time. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I found that interesting too. Um. I had a bunch of kind of like random facts that I've compiled into this, my Do like it. random facts section. So it's Perfect. not like flowing very well, <laughs> but, um, okay. So there's this thing called the mock tuck. So pilots flying at supersonic speeds experience something called a mock tuck, um, okay. or compressibility. And that's changing airflow over the wing alters the wings center of pressure, causing the aircraft to actually start to pitch downward towards hey. the ground. Um, so special measures have to be taken to mitigate this effect so that as soon as you, you know, get close to the speed of sound, you don't just like take a nosedive. So did Charles, what's his last name? Chuck Yeager. Charles. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Charles Yeager. Charles Yeager. (laughs) Did he know about that? Like, I'm... I'm curious how much they knew before he was just like, I'm dropping in, (laughs) you know, because if he just hit Mach 1 and then nose dove. Yeah, I feel like if you look at his aircraft, to me, it doesn't look like a traditional aircraft that would be capable of exceeding Mach 1. But I don't know the amount that they knew. Because it dropped in, right? Probably gives them a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, the B-29 dropped him, which is kind of crazy to think about, like, an aircraft dropping another aircraft. Yeah. Well, that's like the scramjet. Remember you were talking about the scramjet the other week? I think the scramjets a lot of times get dropped in like that. So, wild. 
I need to look that up because I said scramjet and that came out of the like depths of my memory and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I'm anymore. pretty sure a scramjet you have to be moving so like it it is useless until you're over Mach one. I'm pretty sure. Yes. So they have to drop you in like very fast to that's actually right. get it to function. That's like right. the one thing I took from school. Wow, <laughs> if, that's, if that's really good. If that's correct. Oh wow, that's it's all t- it's all tying in. <laughs> Yeah. And do you remember a big part of propulsion was like, you had to calculate how fast air was going through an engine. Oh my God. And it would be like, if they you always did a scramjet engine. Yeah. Cause air going through an engine, it sucks in air. That's like faster than the speed of sound. So it has to, and then like, it compresses it in the yeah. tiny little area. And they're like, so what's the velocity in this? And then they are tests in this section. Yeah. Side note would be like three questions. And I'm like, okay, three questions is fine. And they'd have like 18 parts a piece. Like, where's the velocity of all the air in each yeah. part of the <laughs> And if you didn't get part one right, Everything your part your part like 18 would tell you that like you're going like a million miles an hour. Yeah, I'm like, I got that we're going backwards 20 miles an hour. Is that right? <laughs> and by then you wasted uh, the entire test time and you can't go back. So yeah. Yeah, not so good. Yeah, it was a crazy time. Um, Okay, so um, now we get to talk about the Concorde, which I am obsessed with the Concorde. Um, The first supersonic passenger aircraft was the Concorde, and it entered commercial service in 1976. Um, It could reach speeds of Mach 2.04. Whoa. That's about 1,354 miles per hour. And it could complete a transatlantic flight in just a little over three hours. So think about like a flight from like Denver to, or sorry, from like Denver to Germany is like eight to 10 hours. Three hours. Yeah. It's eight hours. Yeah. So the Concorde could do it in three, which is crazy. And this was a commercial, okay. Commercial airline. Sorry to say, I know nothing about the Concorde. And <sighs> I didn't even really know this existed. <laughs> I didn't oh, know really? A, well, I didn't, well I, I've heard of it, but I didn't know it was a passenger plane. Passenger airplane. Taking everyone yes. so quickly. Yes, it's crazy. crazy. It was super expensive to fly on for the, like, rich of the rich. Okay. Um, only 20 were built. Mm. Um. And getting a little bit into its design. So it was mainly built out of aluminum and a high and high temperature alloys, which allow it to withstand extremely high pressure or temperatures. Because when you break the sound barrier, you have a lot of drag and that creates, you know, friction and it gets really hot. Kind of like when a spacecraft like re-enters the atmosphere. Oh. (laughs) It gets really hot. Makes sense. Um so the fact that it heats up also causes it um the aircraft actually expands six to ten inches at its cruising speed at Mach 2 because Whoa. of thermal expansion yeah. oh my gosh now, uh, do you know uh, how many uh passengers it held did you say that already um that's a great question actually I don't have that on here I've been up, but I was gonna yeah I'm gonna talk about this but I've been inside one um and it's not quite as big as like a what like a normal passenger aircraft today but it's bigger than like a private jet okay um yeah i'll look it up i'll put it in the stories perfect um on a regular flight the concord could consume 
up to 6,700 gallons of fuel. And the cost of fuel um, quickly exceeded any profits that they would make um, Mm -hmm. from um, operating it. Um, Another thing was because supersonic travel is really loud, um, they had issues emerging on restrictions on like where they could actually fly. Mm. Um, And they could really only go supersonic over the ocean um, because it sent a a shockwave into the air so strong that it would shatter glass if it went over densely populated areas. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was, so, I was gonna ask why don't they fly these anymore <laughs> oh yeah there's many I reasons under, I understand. <laughs> yeah um cities issued many noise complaints um as the concord flew overhead initially causing lots of problems one incident caused the demise of the concord um and this was in on july 25th 2000 in air france flight um, 4590, um, some debris blew a tire and punctured one of the fuel tanks. The fire and engine failure caused the Concorde to crash into a nearby hotel and killed 113 people. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So after that, the Concorde was basically done. So, um, but the Concorde does hold the record for the fastest transatlantic airliner from New York to London. Um, the fastest airliner circumnavigations going both East and West. Wow. And when the Concorde, so I have seen the Concorde at Boeing's, um, it's called the Museum of Flight in Seattle. Um, They got special permission to go supersonic over Canada to set a record. Um, So that was pretty cool. The fastest flight from New York to Seattle. And how, do you know how long it was? I don't. I need to put that in there. Um, Yeah, I didn't have the time for that. We'll do all the stat, all the record-breaking all the stats, stats in the stories. Yes. <laughs> Dang, that's cool. I didn't realize that it happened in our lifetime. For some reason, I think of the Concorde as like only in the um, 70s. I... Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's crazy it lasted that 30 years. Well, I guess like 25 years, but yeah, still. I mean, crazy. I would have been nervous flying on it, and I'm a aerospace engineer. Yeah. I walked in it so when you can actually walk through it at this museum of flight I'm I don't know why I'm obsessed with the Concorde but it's very narrow so like Mm. think of like half the width of what you're used to when you're on a normal like passenger airplane Um, it's very narrow and very short and you just you're in a cylindrical tube of death I feel like (laughs) yeah (laughs) just feels like it feels like it's made to be a bullet going really fast, um, which Gosh. it is. So that would be again just really scary being like the first one on, you know, the first Concorde flight. Yes, like you got to be accepting death at that point. <laughs> like I might just not come back. That's yes, crazy. I know. Um, I one thing I didn't have time to research that I would have been more interested in was like the pilots that flew the Concorde. Like, oh hey, yeah we've never done this before we have to figure out a training program to teach you how to fly a supersonic aircraft i wonder if they were like all ex-military or what but pretty crazy i would assume they're ex-military i feel like for something like that yeah i read something here that like the way that the nose the front of it is designed they had to like do it a specific way because 
um, of what I was talking about with the, like, once you get close to the speed of sound, it causes you to like pitch down. Oh yeah. Um, so lots of factors had to go into it. Oh my gosh. I would, I don't think I would ever get on that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think I would either. I'm going to look up how much a ticket costs too. Um, well, especially and, like, now that I know that base. one of them just smashed into a hotel, I guess that would yeah alter my decisions also, but still yeah. like anything that new, I'm not itching to go on. I wouldn't say yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah that's the concord I have um a couple more things um the first do you know who the first woman was to break the speed of sound <laughs> no Valentina no um so I only know this um her name is Jackie Cochran and she was okay. actually um friends with Chuck Yeager um but she broke the sound barrier in 1953 in a Sabre 3 in California okay. um she was 48 years old when she broke the sound barrier wow and if nice. you want to read more about her I'm gonna post this book too I really enjoyed this book it's called Fly Girls um it's about um Jackie Cochran and Amelia Earhart's in it and um it's kind of about the first few people that formed the 99s which I'm going to save that and do like a podcast on that episode. Um, but yeah. Um, another interesting fact is in 2012, an Austrian, Austrian skydiver jumped. Um, his name was Felix Baumgartner. I'm obsessed with him and I know nothing about him. I love, I was obsessed with this story when it was happening. He jumped from a height of 24 miles reaching a top speed of Mach 1.25 during his free fall skydive. That would be Can you imagine? insane. Okay, so, so uh, I'm trying to phrase this. Like, you know how now everyone's kind of going to the edge of space. Is that considered, yeah. we should look up if that is considered space because wasn't the whole thing that was that he was like skydiving from space? Yeah, but do you remember that like the Air Force and like NASA have different definitions of what space is. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a few, I mean, I don't know who defined them, but I know there's like a few different definitions and yeah. I feel like one is way higher than the other. Yeah. Like I a think, lot of people are astronauts based off of one definition, but not the other. Yeah. So I think that's true. Yeah. That um, is crazy. So I wonder what, what your body goes through going at mock. One. didn't he black out he had to have black i think he did i think there was a time when he was like started spinning yeah kind of uncontrollably while he was blacking out and they thought he was like, i i don't mean to laugh that he almost died but like it was kind of crazy watching it back where they're like okay like oh my gosh and, yeah they couldn't contact him or something yeah i think something kind of went wrong halfway through but i think he did he like you know came to in enough time and everything so it was fine but that was with Red Bull, wasn't it? Wasn't that like a Red yes. Bull thing? Yeah. Crazy. Red Bull strikes again. They're great at I advertising. <laughs> I don't even know. Like this article was written in 2023. So I'm assuming nobody's had done it since then. Yeah. Since 2012. I feel like we probably would have heard about it. But yeah. Or maybe Did you know not. that Red Bull was an Austrian company? I didn't know that. Which is why they And he's an him. Austrian skydiver. That yeah. makes sense. I only learned that because of F1. I would have cried standing up there on that platform. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know how he didn't. I think at that point, like, what if he just called it up, like this whole spectacle? And he's just like, never mind. I'm too scared. 
You I can at that no point. Choice. He had no choice at that point. Yeah. How would he, he get down? To. He had to jump. He was so in like true. a space balloon, right? Yeah. So true. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. My last supersonic aircraft that I'm obsessed with is the SR-71 Blackbird. Okay. It's the world's fastest manned a- aircraft. The Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird is capable to of sustaining speeds exceeding Mach 3, which is 2,300 miles per hour. Oh it owns the record for the fastest air-breathing man-powered aircraft. It doesn't fly anymore. But if you want to see it, I've seen this one too in Washington, oh D.C. You're obsessed. I'm obsessed. You're a mad woman. <laughs> I know. It's at um, the Udvar Hazy Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C., It looks like a spaceship. You stand in front of it. My whole body got chills. It was amazing. (laughs) The whole thing is awesome. The windows on it are so small. And the whole thing is black. It has swept wings. Oh, Um, I think I've seen this. really cool. I mean, not in person, but I think I've seen a picture. Yeah. And I think in the future, I have so many podcast topics I want to do. I want to do a whole thing on the Blackbird because it's a Skunk Works product. It's really cool. That is really cool. You know what we should do? Um, which I feel like we're going to have a growing list of this is like, we should go on a podcast trip to Washington, DC, to the Smithsonian and this museum and like vlog it and put it on the YouTube channel. We should. That sounds amazing. (laughs) And then we can write it off as a business expense. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Tax free, baby. (laughs) Yes. All right. That's all I have for supersonic. That was a good topic. Flying the sound barrier. Thank I like you. those topics where it's like a little bit of history, a little bit of technical. So yeah. Good job. Like so. Yay, Yay. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks everyone for watching. Uh, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you are watching on or listening on. Uh, leave us a review. If you're feeling generous, we need to push this out to more people. So recommend to a friend, you know, tell your mom about the podcast, leave us a review anything would help. So thank you all for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye Bye guys.